The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I at the Virtual Inner Circle Live April the 4th through the 6th as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to wealthwatchwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code podcast. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA. You're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So you know, leaving this event exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so you can more easily understand them and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy. Most because lack of fault guy just didn't sound so cool to me. But enough about me for a moment. Let me introduce you to my co-host, my partner. He's the Italian Stallion. He's got the license plate covered to prove it. Mr. Joe Murray Stallion. Good afternoon. What's up, my brother? Our topic today is why an EQRP is a terrible tool for financial freedom. Or as my Auburn alumni would say, terrible. It's a terrible tool <laughs> for financial freedom. So I, I'm going to give you a definition, and I want you to repeat back to me what you believe the definition is. But I was looking online. Google tells me that freedom is defined as the power or the right to act, speak, or think as as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Mm. How would wow. you define freedom in the context of finance? Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I would have to echo your Google definition there because ultimately you want to be able to invest where you want, with whom you want, when you want to produce the type of returns that you ultimately want and create that cash flow to, to get to passive income greater than monthly expenses. If you have anything that's standing in the way of that, then that's not freedom. Well, we're, we're going to talk today about this topic of qualified retirement plans. I'm using our title says the E for enhanced qualified retirement plan as the person who came up with that marketing term. But I, I really, we're going to focus on qualified retirement plans in general, but specifically this, this buzzword, the EQRP. And I, I want to, I want to hear your thoughts as we break this down, thinking through this mindset of retirement. Is that really the mindset we we should have? Or is there some other mindset? Maybe it's a lifestyle mindset. And as we handle finance, what is the way we should think about that? So I'm going to come back to you. We're going to talk about that in a second. But let me, let me bring in our dream team of financial coaches. Thankfully, Joey, we're not here alone. We got them helping us. To my left, I got a true financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I had only known him earlier, I'd be so much richer, said everybody. Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. I see Er. Yeah, it's good to be seen. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, man. So we're talking freedom. You heard my definition. You heard Joey's definition. How would you tweak that? What's your definition for financial freedom? What what level of freedom do you want to have with your money? Yep. Well, we know the definition of financial freedom is passive income greater than monthly expenses, right? That'd be the formula to it, which 
which is a definition. But I'll go past that, and I appreciate this conversation. This is fresh idea. <laughs> so off the cuff, I agree with you. I agree with Joey. I would use the word ability. But the thing that I would take issue with the end of your definition, Russ, and that was just Google, is without restraint. And I would say <laughs> without self-control, there really is no freedom. So I would say in the financial freedom space, it's a having a clear definition of what you want and what you don't want yeah. and the ability to work on those things work with the people that you want to and when you want to towards those things that is financial freedom all right i love that all right well let me get it over to my right we got the retiree of the group mr catch me if you can when he's not killing bears with his bare hands our spirit out of a tuna he's dropping gold nuggets right here the one and only mark caraguchi welcome mark Oh, good afternoon. You know, we were we were talking in the lead up to this, and I actually dovetails into your 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 point here of, you know, what is freedom? And you know, I had some salmon that I had smoked, so I had been blessed to be able to fly to Alaska, do a fishing trip, catch a bunch of salmon, bring it home. I smoked it myself, threw some of that on a salad today, so I had basically a a freedom salmon salad, and. Uh, as I was as I was sitting there eating this salad, I I got sucked into the Instagram uh, feed, and there was somebody in there, and they were talking about money, and go figure, right? That my feed would know that I want to talk about money, but the 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 speaker was saying that look, money doesn't bring happiness, but access to money creates options, and so if I have options, if I have access to my cash, I now have options of what to do with that cash, how to deploy it, what to do with it. And so to me, that's freedom. Freedom is choices, right? We live in America where we have freedom of choice. There's all kinds of interviews of you know defect Soviet defectors that came over and they would take them to a grocery store and they saw the grocery store full of food and they said, this is, this is a hoax. Take me to the real grocery store because they couldn't believe we had those that level of option than love of choice. And so to me, that's freedom. Well, we're going to talk about financial freedom and we're going to break this topic down of why we believe this qualified retirement plan and using the buzzword EQRP is such a terrible tool for financial freedom. We're going to do that right now. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Okay, Sally, we're going to break down this mindset thing as we, we talk about every single time that if we don't know where we're going, we don't have a vision for it, it's going to be hard for us to achieve it, right? It doesn't matter how fast we're going. If we're not going in the right direction, we're not getting any closer to our objective. And I think it's important for us to start off this conversation about why this specific concept of qualified retirement plans are such a terrible tool to becoming financially free. And I think it starts 
with the retirement mindset, right? Because that R inside of the QRP, that R stands for retirement. Our mentor had a had a had a thought process on retirement. Let's start there and let's start expounding upon that mindset and what um, how it can unfortunately keep us from being free. Oh yeah, so so good to to bring back Nelson Nash. He has so many wise things that he said over his lifetime, and I wish I had captured a whole lot more. But one of them I definitely did resonate with, and and he he said a lot was retirement is not in his vocabulary. He's re, he's removing it from his vocabulary because it means to be taken out of service. And what what a what an amazing way to think about the fact that our lives are ultimately about service and that that's why we're here. It's not because we, we work, 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 work. And then all of a sudden we have no value to bring to the world. So we can just go off into the sunset and lay on a beach for whatever remainder of our life there may be. And I think to your point, the reason why we could be so definitive about a topic like this and say, this EQRP is a load of garbage is because we immediately know it's in the context of financial freedom and financial freedom is a today thing. It's not a ride off into the sunset when you're in your sixties or seventies. It's a today thing that I get to enjoy the people in my life and to serve the people in my life at the highest level that I possibly can because my calendar is free. That is why this is such a terrible design product. It's just not with the same mindset. Uh, no. Mark has created the qualified retirement plan. Where did that even idea originate from? You know, I was I was looking through everything and my understanding of the timeline, and again, I'm I'm not a legal scholar. This is not tax qualified tax information of any sort. But in World War II, the way that they could, because there was a wage freeze, the way that they could provide some measure of incentive for, for employees to come on board was to create a pension. And so that was an obligation on the company to provide for a retirement in the future. And then in the, I believe it was the 60s or the 70s, ERISA came through and then we had a 401k. So now it would become an employee option to opt in and have a quote retirement account into the stock market. Uh, and then all of a sudden there was a an IRA, right? A, a Roth IRA came out. Wow, I can pay the taxes now and then it'll grow tax-free. And then there became a self-directed IRA. So I hope you're starting to see a theme here where if it was so good, why do we keep changing it? And fast forward, now we've got qualified retirement plans, right? That's the umbrella. And then all of a sudden we made a better enhanced qualified retirement plans I'm just waiting for the qualified retirement plan max, you know, because <laughs> let, let, let's, let's take it next level. Let's go one further. And my question is if to, to Nelson's point, if the person that caused the problem is now offering you a solution to that problem without actually fixing the problem, is it really a solution? Right. And the original ERISA was to deal with onerous taxes. Yeah. we got the ERISA, the Employment Retirement Income Security Act. I feel so more so much more comfortable knowing that the Retirement Income Security Act is is there out there looking for looking after me and my and my tax dollars and helping me protect those. 
I mean, Eric, it sounds like a really kind woman, you know, Arissa, just like, she's just watching over me, you know, my little guardian Arissa, you know, and it's just so nice to have her. Uh, so er, Ern, let, let me let you uh, dive into this pool. It's shallow, by the way, be careful as you go in, but let, let's, let's get the, the first point around here as we're talking about qualified tax or retirement accounts, right? We're talking about ways to save for retirement, the the typical Wall Street model, right? We, we hear about, you know, these are great plans for us because we can do all of these things. We can defer our taxes. We can get our employees to match our contributions. Or if we're in small business, man, we can use these qualified retirement plans to, to do a laundry list of things. When you hear all of that, what, what do you start to think about? Well, I think about three things, always in the context for us of financial freedom, and we want the freedom to do the things that we want to do with the people that we want to partner with to do those things and do those things when we want to do them. And when we start working and putting ourselves inside of the context of qualified retirement plans, we're picking a couple of things. First of all, a place. Where are we going to build all this? It may be inside of these retirement plans, which are now finding ways, iterations, granting us more control over the investments that we make inside of them. But it's still a place where we're going to be building and holding our wealth. And then we're picking a partner in that business. We're picking that partner, the government. The where did these plans come from? They came out of the out of the tax code by the IRS. And so we're creating a partnership with the government and we would think as business owners very carefully about the partners that we pick in business. We would like to know a little bit of your track record. <laughs> when you've getting it, gotten involved in these things, how's it gone? Government, has that gone good or bad? And how is your current situation? Let's take a look at, at your balance sheet. How's your budget? <laughs> are you considerably, is there margin in your budget or are you running behind? Let's take a look at your debt and understand, well, how big of a need of this business partnership to go, well, how big is that need? Because depending on your debts is going to dictate how much of this business you're going to take in the future. And so you start evaluating that as a partner in the business and who you're doing this with. And then the the next thing is, well, what are you going to be doing in this business? What products and services are you going to be promoting, investing in, and how much flexibility, freedom do you have to do those things inside of this model? And inside the context of financial freedom, <laughs> when I walk down the line of not only getting into this partnership, picking this as a place for me to hold cash, and then thinking about what things or restrictions might be upon me for the investments, the products and services that I get involved in, I would say, gosh, this seems like a terrible place, Russ, like you said, <laughs> to take that journey. Well. We're, we're trying to set up here, just as you're listening to this, maybe maybe you have already invested in a qualified retirement plan. Maybe that's a SEP IRA, simple IRA, a self-directed IRA, solo 401k. Maybe you're still at a company and you're invested through a 401k. Please hear us as we go to talk about these things, not to say, man, what you have done is stupid. What you've done is the worst thing you could possibly do. We're not saying that. We're looking at it from the specific lens of, as we know the information today, what decisions will we make from this point forward 
to get to financial freedom, right? So hear us talking about this, not to condemn what you have done in the past, because I know at least three of the four of us have are, have made the have invested in qualified retirement plans in our past, right? So we're we're not you know uh, guilty free of making these decisions. Oh, Ert, I'm sorry, I forgot you, you you had a financial advisor getting you to a Roth IRA when you're still in underoos. So we've all made the mistake. That's right. Right. Okay. I got, I got Joey tickled on that one. All right. So, but I I do want to say that, you know, as we, we start to break down, so this is the why I want to start to get into the what a little bit, but I I think it's interesting. I I was reading a book last night, gentlemen, and it was, um, I'll give him some, some publicity here, the QRP book, right? And it was how to get your checkbook control of your 401k rollover money now, man. It, it, lots of lots of details in this book, and I I read it. I mean, I as much as I could, Joey. I read this book, and I haven't read a, a physical book in a while. Usually, I listen to them, and um, but I knew I was going to have to look through the pages of this book, and it was it was tough to get through all, all the the details. And I'm going to say right now that I'm not an expert in the EQRP or the qualified retirement plan, even though I was a certified financial planner. I, I did a lot of this uh, research and studying and got different designations in my life. This is still an ever-changing item. But all of this, as you mentioned a second ago, comes out of the IRS coder and the section 401, right? We know 401k. Well, that's K is the subsection of 401. I would like to know for most people, have they read the first 400 sections? Have they, have they read all the sections that came after? 401. And the likelihood of that to that question is zero, none. So we don't necessarily know what this partnership agreement is. And that's pretty interesting. We should, we should need to know. And as I was looking through this book and reading through all of the interesting things that this new creative way of how to manage your money in a qualified retirement plan is, Joey, it made me think of the analogy of you got these convicts inside a prison who are roaming the yard, right? They've been granted privileges to be able to go out and play basketball and work out and do whatever they want to do in the yard. And the ones who are restricted are still stuck in their cells. And the ones in the yard feel a lot more free than the ones in the cells. But here's the key is that they're all behind a big, huge fence with barbed wire on top of it, with people with guns, keeping them in. Hmm. And then when I see these ideas of the qualified retirement plan, I just see privileges for being behind the fist. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that because when, when I read through here, it talks about all the things that I can invest in, right? It right. starts to give me a list of the investment options. I can invest in real estate. I can invest in cryptocurrencies. I can invest in private businesses. And then it starts to go through all the things that I can't invest in, right? There are not many. I I can't do collectibles. I can't do art. I can't have, um, you know, a Turo investment like yours. I can't have Cousin Eddie, you know? (laughs) I can't have a short-term rental where I show up to it and and stay in it for a weekend while I, I help maintain it and look at it. I can't have personal interest in it. I start thinking about all the things that I can and I can't do. And, and what, what we always talk about 
is what can we do? And the tool, like this is just a, a place. This is not an investment, right? A qualified retirement plan is not an investment. It's a wrapper, right? It's a, it's the way that it's going to be taxed. And what do we do outside of that? So I would first like to talk about the wrapper. I want to compare this wrapper to another wrapper. And I'm not talking about 50 cent stallion. Ah, or Emmett, or Emmett. How did you know that was exactly where my brain was going? So I want to just... first start off and let's compare this, this specific uh, holding place or place where investments can be um, stored and, and taken out of to go invest in other things, just the way the government looks at it from a taxation standpoint, and compare it to the thing that we use all the time, right? We use specifically designed life insurance policies. Um, we use the infinite banking concept to... Um, implement those dollars. So I want to compare those things. So Ern, when you start thinking about comparing the the tax qualified retirement plan to infinite banking, give me a compare and contrast there. Help the person who maybe knows something about one, but maybe not about another. Give a compare and contrast about at least one area, maybe whether it's how it's taxed, some of the uses of it, um, some of the restrictions, of, limitations, whatever. Well, I'll speak to the to the ease of access and what does that look like? You set up a qualified retirement plan, whether that's a 401k, an IRA, or any iteration of the IRA, there's there's limitations on how you can go get to that money, right? If you're in a 401k plan in service uh, with the through the through the plans administrator, there are severe restrictions on your access to those dollars. You have to qualify through certain events to get to those. If you have an IRA and you are contributing pre-tax dollars, if you go get access to that money, you face a penalty and then you pay the income tax as those dollars come out. Compared to if you create liquidity, so take your dollars and store them inside a life insurance policies, there is a cash value component, which is your equity, which is what you're able to use. And you can go get that access to that from the insurance company by either taking withdrawals or loans. And when you do that, there's no, there's no qualification. The two questions are, how much do you want? Where do you want it sent? And the processing of that typically takes three to five business days. And the money is freely in your account for you to use whoever you so choose. Mark, I, I read clearly though in here, how to get a checkbook. So I can actually control those things. So I can have a lot more control than what Ernie talked about. Like there's actually been, um, you know, ways that this has been set up to grant me extra powers, extra access, limiting, you know, some of those restrictions that the IRA had. What's your thoughts on that? I think that's awesome. I think that's great. You, somebody was able to overcome the hurdles. I mean, I, I I had a 401k. I wanted to get some money out and they said, hey, congratulations. You can take up to 50% of the value not to exceed $50,000. So really I can't get full access, can I? But now if we're talking about this this QRP with, with a checkbook in there, okay, cool, awesome. Now I can write a check, but I, I, do, I still do have a few limitations, right? There are certain things I can and can't do, but can I pay my mortgage? If if, if I run into a, a financial hardship in, in that moment, like times go sideways, um, maybe we got a medical bill. Nope, that's not allowed for that. But to Ernie's point, if I've got the, the, the other option, the other avenue, now in terms of a checkbook, yes, I can turn that into a checkbook as well. So 
actually, I was reading through here and it, it described this stallion to me as the ultimate emergency reserve. When you mm -hmm. think like the ultimate emergency reserve, what does that look like? What, what would you imagine the, all the benefits of having the ultimate emergency reserve would be? Well, I, I would take it to, to make a claim like that, you would have to start with as much access as possible, right? Emergency. And what is an emergency reserve for? What's the purpose? It's to gain access to capital in the event of emergency to take care of whatever that thing is with the least amount of friction as possible. That's how I would, that's how I would practically think about it. And so to, to the points that have already kind of been made, if, if you're going to tout this as an enhancement, why not take the enhancement to the, to the furthest that you can like go big or go home when you're talking about enhancements, give me full freedom, right? Why stop at all of these things, except take the accept out of the equation, right? Give me full checkbook access with my insurance policy, right? Allow me to exactly how Ernie laid it out. When I call for access, I want them to say how much and where do you want it sit? That is exact. That is the epitome of freedom. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared though for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30 second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. So let, let's compare and contrast. Let's just in case some people are not, you know, they're a little distracted because when we're riding down the road, we're only hearing probably every 10th word. What is the comparison? I'm going to give it to you. So the comparison of an emergency reserve, as you said, if I had an account with a hundred thousand in it or 500,000 or 5 million in it, the ultimate emergency reserve would mean I'd have access to how much of that, Mark? All of it. All of it. Okay. So in relationship to our life insurance policies earned, if you had 500, 5 million, or 50 million in cash values, how much could you access? 95 to 100%. Okay. Stallion, inside of this EQRP or any qualified retirement plan, how much can you access for the purpose of personal use, right? So like, I think that, that when we think emergency reserve, we got an emergency in our house. How much can I access without any limitation? What's the rule? Tell me. Up, up to $50,000. 50% or up to $50,000, whichever is less. Right. Correct? Right. Yes. In the event I needed to go over that, what happens? I'm going to some institution, friend, or plasma bank. 
Well, you would either do that, or if you wrote a check to yourself for whatever the difference was, you're now going to write a check to Uncle Sam for 10% of it, right? Because he's put a 10% penalty restriction to prevent you from getting access to this money, correct? 100%. Does that seem like the ultimate emergency reserve? I would say it's sub-ultimate. It, it seems like an opportunity for other people. Now, when you borrow the money that you can borrow up to 50,000 or 50% of your account, whichever is less. So just if you're keeping track at home, if you have 100,000, you can get 50 grand out. You get 200,000, you can get 50 grand out. You got 50 grand in there, you get 25,000. You see the math. Thank you for so clarifying from that, Russ. If, if, I'm, if I need the money, I can borrow it from the, the EQRP and I can go do whatever I want to with it. There, there is no limitation. Joey, when you took a $50,000 loan to get your, your 401k, when you were still working with a 401k, what did you do with it? I put it in premium. What kind of premium? Life insurance. Gasoline? Life insurance premium. Okay. Good. There you go. All right. So when, when someone says, well, you can use that money, do whatever you want to with, yeah, of course you can. Uh, Ernie, whenever you've taken loans against your life insurance policies, what's just a few of the things that you've done with those loans? Down payments on personal houses, vehicles, investment yeah. properties, starting businesses. No, no limitations, right? Unlimited options on both case scenario. But the 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 comparison is is that in one option you're limited to fifty thousand, or you start getting this ten percent haircut for every dollar you get out. Your partner says, "I'm gonna take ten percent out of everything you get, in addition to any taxation," right? Now, here's a, here's a couple of things. I want to make sure that I say this, and I'll let you guys combat me, right? Because if I'm sitting on the EQRP side, if I would have written this book and I was trying to raise money and you know show people how to get all their qualified retirement plans into my account and charge fees to set up all the plans and stuff like this, I'm capitalist, I know. I'm going to say, well, oh, you guys do this whole life insurance. Well, let me tell you about what my EQRP can do that yours can't, right? So I'm going to give you guys three options that, I'll start with you, Stallion. You can uh, rebut uh, my statement here any way you want to. Thank you. So my Q my EQRP can do what your whole life policy cannot in the fact that I can transfer money out of any other qualified retirement plan, 401k, IRA, SEP, into this plan without having to pay taxes on the transfer. That That is true, and I would... I would say, man, congratulations from moving from one penitentiary to the next. Is that, is that a, I, I'm missing the positive here. We're, we're, are we getting to the positive? So you're not saying that that's a benefit to me that I get to move from one plan to the next? Uh, hey, geographically, you've changed locations. You're still behind the bars. Mark says Rikers to Alcatraz. <laughs> All right. I, I hear you. All right. Ern, all right. So the, the other thing, Ern, is that my qualified retirement plan, I can take a tax deduction to make a contribution into it. You can't do that with your whole life policy. What would you say to that? True. True. And good point. But J Joey's point, that's in my mind, that's really the number one, because that's how, that's how we got here. Why do we need EQRPs is because we've got QRPs and we're looking for a little bit more freedom. And what you just described is create creative ways, take advantage of that deduction. Cool. 
but to but to point number one, Joey, Joey is when the money comes out, you will pay taxes on the dollars then, right? So, and to this point, deduction today, taxes in the future. Well, mm. zoom zoom way out. When do you want to pay the taxes? Are are we looking to? Uh, in a qualified retirement plan, accumulate wealth to improve our future income potential? In the context of financial freedom, are we looking to create massive cash flow today? When do we want to pay the taxes on that? Today, when we have little wealth, or in the future, when we have massive wealth? By the way, think about that partner, (laughs) that business partner that you're with. You moved to Alcatraz, you still got to deal with the amount that that business partner, the government wants to take in the future. And so what is tax? What does that mean for tax rates in the future? So deduction today, knock your socks off, but don't forget about the taxation on the back end. Mm. Yeah. That, that reminds me of the scene of my cousin Vinny, when Vinny shows up to talk to, to those guys in the, in the jail and he meets the, the friend and the friend doesn't know who he was. Okay. Here, here, here's the third one, Mark. My EQRP, I can set this up on anyone. I can even set it up on someone who is unhealthy and even uninsurable. You can't do that with your own life policy. Wow. I mean, first thing I would say is we got to work on the health of your friends. Let's get them squared away and get them healthy first. Uh, the, the, the second point is, man, if, 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 if you're seeing that as a limitation of using this properly structured you know, life insurance as a vehicle for that, then you're missing out on a ton of opportunity and flexibility. Um, you're just not aware of the options that are available to you of how to make this work. And so if you're feeling like that's the only avenue for you, you actually left a bunch of options on the table. And there are so many ways that we can do this. We can look at spouses, we can look at children, we can look at other insurable people, uh, business partners, uh, people that we invest with. Um, man, I don't know about you, but we, we got to work on your friend circle, um, your friend and business circle. So plenty of options out there and don't let that be the thing that holds you back because I got just as many options as the next guy. Uh, how about this stay with you, Mark, on this one? What, what about from a flexibility standpoint? Like, you know, these whole life policies typically are pretty rigid, right? You've got to pay these premiums for your whole life. But yet, if I set up one of these EQRPs as a business, I can make a contribution in one year and decide not to make a contribution the next year. Tell me flexibility-wise, it seems like my deal is a little more flexible than yours. Yeah, 100%. Congratulations on creating a smaller system um, and, 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 not, and not caring enough about yourself to, to, really, to really put away for your future. Um, the, the way I like to look at it and the way I talk to a lot of people is, you know, Imagine you've got $50,000 worth of fertilizer that you can put on your tree and you decide, you know what? I'm only going to put $10,000 of fertilizer on my tree. Well, you just missed out on $40,000 worth of fertilizer growing that tree, letting it become even bigger and stronger and pr- provide even more fruit for you in the future. So to that, I would say, man, I'm, I'm really sorry that you shortchanged yourself and created a smaller system. Joey, have you ever had a scenario when you were personally contributing to your life insurance premiums, uh, to your life insurance, uh, system of policies that you couldn't make a contribution in one year. And if so, what did you do and how did it work out? Oh, uh, must I remind you that 
I had committed to over $60,000 a year in premiums and I chose to quit my job making over $300,000 a year to start a business from scratch uh, with none other than this knucklehead as my mentor. I mean, this was a, this was a dire situation. Like I, I, I've seen a lot of people like clients run into, you know, difficult times and they're like, man, I just don't know how I'm going to pay this premium. Like, let me tell you about a situation that's even harder. And all I did was borrow from the policy to pay the policy. It was a, it was a temporary, um, bandaid to have this massive system continue to grow for the long haul, because the number one thing Nelson Nash taught us is to think long range. This is a temporary place in my life that was difficult, but man, the long haul is so worth it to keep this system going for all the benefits that it's going to provide generations to come. Ernie, Mark said a second ago, he was given the analogy of putting fertilizer on a tree, which by the way, as a Auburn fan, I take offense, right? Like we've had somebody put fertilizer <laughs> on our trees. And that, that set us back a hundred years. It takes about a hundred years for a live oak to get to the point that they were before, you know, that redneck, um, went down there and killed our trees that we like to roll with toilet paper. Yeah. That's the thing in Alabama. But one of the things he was really getting after is the ability to put money in and the limitations to put money in, you know, I, I don't know, looking at this, it looks like, you know, maybe it's somewhere around. 60,000, maybe 67,000 or something like that, that I can put money into one of these qualified retirement plans. If I'm doing a defined contribution plan, it looks like I could put 200 and something thousand potentially into these plans. If I decide to do what's called a defined benefit plan, right? Like that, I think those are the limits just, you know, compare as far as someone wanting to put money into a system, compare that to what you have helped others personally done to yourself and helped others. What, what are the contribution, uh, contribution limitations for someone who's setting up the infinite banking concept? Well, if we're talking specifically about the infinite banking concept, your ability to contribute is only limited by your imagination. Now we have to be, we have to do great work with insurance companies to build that system over time. But there is no there is no limitation. It's it's what it's your ability to create, and as much of that as you're able to create that you're able and willing to put into an insurance policy, you can do that. Whereas there are limits set by that that partner inside of the qualified retirement plans, and and by the way those those can change. <laughs> we're we're speaking about all the positives as they are today, but that partner has and can. And I would say probably will change those those limits. Even this year, by the way, those catch-up limits that exist are changing by the Secure Act. By the way, when you hear a government title up program, just assume it does the opposite for you. <laughs> Secure for them, not for us. Keep that in mind. But here's here's the other thing. We're talking about contributions, but what about on the back end, the use and return of that money and the flexibility and freedom? I'll just remind, we just talked about this emergency plan and compared to insurance policies where there's un untethered access, there are limitations on the back end on how you can use qualified dollars, where they can go, where they must return, penalties when they come out. And in many 
instances, even if you're qualified to get those dollars out if you need them. So I'll just point out not just contributions, but the use on the back end. Well, I love when they use that word security in these tax qualified plans. They also use that same uh, descriptor in prisons. They usually say maximum security prisons. So Stallion, we're, we're talking about like, Ernie went through the options. In our last 10 or 15 years, what's the largest contribution you've seen made into a life insurance policy as an annual premium? Myself, over a million dollars. Oh, so I, I think it's slightly larger than the limits that we're talking about that the QRPs allow. Okay. Have you seen uh, any, any limitations to what they could use the money for? Any of that, if, let's say they had a million dollars of cash value and if they wanted to use it for themselves or they want to use it for investments, um, what limitations do they ex experience? 0.0% limitations. Uh, it, what is the, from an administrative maintenance compliance, because I'm reading through here and it, you know, talks about all these forms for form five, 5,500. Maybe if you're, if you're, you know, over a certain amount of assets in your plan, you can file this other form. Uh, you know, there's a couple little, you know, the USC 408 requires, you know, you to have this bank approval, non-custodial and, um, it, talk about the administrative function of having a life insurance policy, just ballpark for me. How many forms are you filling out on a annual basis to just record how much money you have in it and what you've used it for? Uh, there are no forms uh, for that. Uh, earn it. It also talks about in this book, and I, and I can't pretend to tell you all the, the things about it, but it talks about disallowed investments, disqualified persons, disallowed transactions, just things that are, you know, you, you can do this, you can't do that. Um, ha have you have you experienced that so far with the life insurance company whenever your clients are talking to you about how do they borrow against their cash values to do their things? I'm in tons of conversations about those things with clients, but zero of those conversations with the insurance companies. Lastly, as we start to wrap this up, I do want to talk about the business side of this because it seems like maybe this, this fancy name, uh, EQRP was designed to help some small business owners. And it talked about in here, this amazing way, Mark, where you can incentivize your, your, uh, you know, your employees by building one of these plans for them. And you can even make some safe Harbor contributions on their behalf. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the ways you've seen business owners use maybe life insurance and the cash values of life insurance to help uh, recruit, retain um, their their team, their employees, as compared to maybe some of the things we see here? Well, pointedly, I mean, timing is phenomenal for this because there was a uh, college football head coach who was provided a deferred compensation package to include a cash value whole life insurance policy. Now, what happens to this coach in the near future might be up for debate because, uh, you know, Harbaugh and Michigan are in a little bit of hot water over some potential uh, call signal stealing. Uh, but that was a form of compensation that was provided. And that's really fascinating to use this tool in a in a totally another way. Um, not only, you know, is it a, a life and piece of life insurance, right, on the human value of someone, if they were to pass away, what's that life worth? But now it's being used as a compensation package to say, hey, look, rather than us cutting you a check right now, 
if you stick with us for a certain period of time, this thing will grow. And now we can then hand it over to you as part of a golden parachute, if you will. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that holds true if he ends up uh, getting fined and so forth from the uh, NCAA or the Big Ten. But, you know, he got it. So, well, I, I personally, my wife had a dental practice and we had a hygienist that was very instrumental to the growth of the practice. And we, we built out a program for her, a bonus program that incentivized her to continue to stay with the dental practice, to grow with it. And as she performed and the practice performed, she could basically participating, um, a little bit of the profit over and above what her normal income was. And we built a plan where we actually got a life insurance policy on her life in the event that something would have happened to her. It would have been a detriment to, you know, to her family and to our business. And so we set it up to where we could split some of the death benefit so we could protect both parties. But also at the same time, we were able to put money into this plan. And as the cash values grew, we could use that Joey in order to expand the business, right? We could use it in our business. Unlike in a EQRP, you can't invest into your own business. You can invest into somebody else's business. Right. Right. But in this place, we, we could actually invest in our business. We could use those dollars, the dollars in their plan to do whatever we wanted to and to provide a loyalty uh, tool as well. So that the bit that she were to leave prior to the, the end of that term, she would forfeit all of those dollars. So it wasn't like a vesting. It was literally you stay here the 10 years, you get it. Um, some of these plans are, well, maybe they have immediate access in the first year. Maybe they have to wait a couple of years to get it, but ultimately they're going to get access to the money. And what we found is that qualified plans really don't retain employees, right? I think no. at least the three of, uh, three of us had qualified retirement plans that are former jobs that we're no longer at. So it shows that it didn't did retain us. Um, it might be a nice thing that you do for them, but it's not a really a retention tool. And then the idea of taxation being saved, that is a, a point I want to make it here is that taxes are not saved in qualified retirement plans. I've, I've shared this over and over with CPAs and they continue to, to balk at it initially until I show them the math. And then they're always like, Oh, I didn't realize that. And here's the simple scenario. These plans talk about qualified retirement plans and they love to quote Einstein's, you know, compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. Who who doesn't pays it. Well, they talk about the fact that if you can allow your money to grow without taxes, then you are compounding interest. And that compounding of interest is going to be a benefit to you. Well, you can take a calculation and it's really easy to do. You can pick any number you want to. If I picked a hundred dollars, Joey, and I said, this hundred dollars is going to uh, grow at 10% for the next 10 years. And it's going to be worth whatever that is, $200,000 in 10 years. And if you have to pay 40% tax on it, you're going to be left with 60% of the money, right? right? But yet if you decided, you know what, I'm going to put this, take this hundred dollars, I'm going to pay that 40% tax today. And I'm going to put it into an account, whether it's a Roth IRA or whole life insurance policy that does, that grows without taxes. And I'm going to put it in that account. And so I'm only going to have $60 to invest instead of a hundred. And I'm going to let it grow in the same investment at 10% for the next 10 years. Do you know how much money you will have? It will be exactly equal to the first scenario. Accountants don't realize that. They think, though, you're compounding interest on money 
that's not yours. Well, no, you're just compounding on yours and government's compounding on theirs at the same exact rate. That's just math. And they're like, oh, I never, never knew that. And I said, well, what changes this calculation at the end? Because tax qualified plans do two things. They defer the tax and they defer the tax calculation. So if the calculation in 10 years, if that rate is different, that will determine whether or not one plan is better than the other. And I'll let you decide for home if you think the calculation when you get the money and access to the money 10 years from now, the government's going to want less and charge you less. Just to let you know that the government has charged upwards of 90% of the top tax brackets. It only goes back to 1980 when we were being charged 70% in our top bracket versus 37. And by the way, they haven't been earning less money. They've been taking things away in order to keep it tax rates supposedly low. Well, we've covered a lot. I know that this was probably just a tip of the iceberg to this topic, but this is definitely one of the things that I want all of us to better understand is that these are wrappers, not 50 cent, Joey, not in it. These are just places we can put our money. In order to become financially free, you got to have access to it. And if you put limitations on your access, regardless if they give you a checkbook, you're still not any closer to being out of prison. You're just in playing in the yard. Thank you, gentlemen, for sharing your thoughts with us today. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found value. If you need to share this with a friend, uh, give them a Kleenex. Tell them, uh, give them a squeezy ball. Punch it back, something if they're going to get Brown angry. Paper back. <laughs> Do that ahead of time, but please share it because the way that we all become financially free is by learning the things that we didn't know before. And if what you thought to be true turned out not to be true, when would you want to know? Probably right now. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.